0: Over the past year, we've been celebrating our 100th anniversary as a magazine. And this month, to honor the Jazz Age incarnation of Vanity Fair, we are publishing a -a first-of-a-kind treasury. Bohemians, bootleggers, flappers, and swells, the best of early Vanity Fair, Penguin Press. The anthology showcases stories published in these pages from 1914 to 1936 by a murderer's row of literary figures who were frequent Vanity Fair contributors. From D.H. Lawrence to Collette, Robert Benchley to E.E. E. Cummings, Carl Sandburg to Langston Hughes, Gertrude Stein to Jean Cocteau, the book provides an inebriating swig from that great cocktail shaker of the Gatsby era, comprising 72 classic pieces in which unforgettable writers offer their views on how to live well in a fast-changing age. Here with some excerpts. P.G. Woodhouse, The Physical Culture Peril, May 1914. It is alleged by scientists that it is impossible for the physical culturist to keep himself from becoming hardy, especially at breakfast. In other words, a pest. Take my own case. Once upon a time, I was the most delightful person you ever met. I would totter into breakfast of a morning with dull eyes and sink wearily into a chair. There I would remain, silent, and consequently inoffensive, the model breakfaster. No lively conversation from me, no quips, no cranks, no speeches beginning, I see by the paper that nothing but silence, a soggy, soothing silence. If I wanted anything, I pointed. If spoken to, I grunted. You had to look at me to be sure that I was there. Those were the days when my nickname in the home was Little Sunshine. Then one day some officious friend, who would not leave well alone, suggested that I should start those exercises which you see advertised everywhere. I weakly consented. I wrote for the small, illustrated booklet, and now I am a different man. Little by little, I have become just like that offensive young man you see in the advertisements of the give-you-new-life kind of medicines. The young man who stands by the bedside of his sleepy friend and says, What? Still in bed, old man? Why, I have been out with the hounds a good two hours. At breakfast, I am hearty and talkative. Throughout the day, I breeze about with my chest expanded, a nuisance to all whom I encounter. I slap backs. My handshake is like the bite of a horse. It is the same spirit which led Vikings in the old days to burst into song when they had succeeded in cleaving some tough foemen to the chine. Naturally, this has lost me a great many friends. Stephen Leacock, Are the Rich Happy? December 1915 I have never known, I have never seen any rich people. Very often I have thought that I had found them, but it turned out that it was not so. They were not rich at all. They were quite poor. They were hard up. They were pushed for money. They didn't know where to turn for $10,000. In all the cases that I have examined, this same error has crept in. I had often imagined, from the fact of people keeping fifteen servants, that they were rich. I had supposed that because a woman rode downtown in a limousine to buy a fifty-dollar hat, she must be well-to-do. Not at all. All these people turn out on examination not to be rich. They are cramped. They say it themselves. Pinched, I think, is the word they use. Mr. Spug Is a self made man, and he has told me again and again that the wealth he has accumulated is a mere burden to him. He says that he was much happier when he had only the plain, simple things of life. Often, as I sit at dinner with him at his club over a meal of nine courses, he tells me how much he would prefer a plain bit of boiled pork with a little mashed turnip. He says that if he had his way, he would make his dinner out of a couple of sausages fried with a bit of bread. I forget what it is that stands in his way. I have seen Spud.